Well, hey everyone, thanks for checking out this message from Journey Church. These resources are so awesome to have when you're out in nature like we are and you gotta go be outside on these nice days. However, we want you to know that there is nothing better than true fellowship with believers and live worship with your fellow Christians. So be sure to use this message only in conjunction with getting fed in a community of believers. Hey, we also want you to get connected with us, so be sure to text the word CONNECT to 307-271-9160 so that you can stay in the loop with everything happening at Journey Church and get notifications about upcoming events. Hey, we pray that this message encourages you and inspires you as you continue this life on your walk with Jesus. And really, that's good timing to have the kids up here when we're talking about joy uh, for Advent, because there's nothing more joyful and harder to follow than a group of kids that are coming up here today. Um, and uh, just great to have them up here. And I would encourage you to come back tonight. There's the kids program tonight at 630. Come back and be a part of that. Just uh, enjoy that time where the kids are going to be singing. Um, it kind of gets you in the, in the mood for Christmas, gets them excited about Christmas. And then next Next week, just so you're aware, um, we have our two services on Christmas Eve. That will be Saturday evening, one at 4 p.m. and one at 6 p.m. And then we will not be meeting on Sunday morning. Uh, so the Christmas Eve celebration will be the Christmas celebration. So make sure you come and a part of that. We're going to have wonderful, um, uh, a lot of a lot of great music that we're going to have on that evening. Just the the uh, Christmas carols, being able to sing that. I think we're doing seven or so that will be part of that. And then a lot of scripture reading. So we're going to be reading through the scripture, uh, through the Christmas story. It's just going to be a good night. Really highly encourage you to come. Make that a family tradition um, where you come with your family and celebrate that time, and then we're going to do candle lighting uh, at the end of that as part of uh, singing Silent Night. So it's just a good time. Come and be a part of that. All right, let's continue in in our, in our series on uh, the book of Ephesians called Sit, Walk, and Stand. Again, remember, that is uh, the three words there, sit, walk, and stand, are because the, the book of Ephesians can be nicely divided into those three sections. There's a section on learning how to sit. That's what we're in right now. Then we're going to learn how to walk. Walk. How do we live out this world? Uh, how do we live out life in this world, a chaotic world? And then how do we learn how to stand firm uh, as we go through the spiritual battles of this world? Today, we are going to be covering uh, the topic called the greatest force in the world, and that is uh, the church. We're going to look at what Jesus has to say or what the Apostle Paul, through the Holy Spirit, about Jesus and about the church. Let's get into this. Let's pray as we begin. Father, I want this to be your time, not mine. Lord, I want it to be your words, not mine. We want to lift up your name. Your name is powerful. Your name is majestic. Your name is to be honored above all other names. You are far above every other every other one. And so we want to give you the praise that you rightly deserve. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to get our hearts right with you, that we would learn through this message today that sometimes um, being in your church means really surrendering to who you are and really understanding the, the power and the majesty that you hold in our own individual lives. Help us to diminish and you to increase in our in our personal lives. 
Father, we thank you for what you're going to do here among us. Just bless this time. Make it a holy moment where we turn aside and hear you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to talk about the church. We're going to read what Paul writes about the church. This is not the first time we're going to talk about the church. This is just kind of an introductory as we're going through Ephesians to understand what the church is all about. The church is an interesting topic. When I talk about the church, I'm not talking about a church. I am talking about the church. Journey Church is a church. We are not the church. We are, as a church, a local body of believers. We are an assembly of believers, people that come together with a common purpose. We want to worship the Lord, and we want to love one another. We want to support one another. We want to bear each other's burdens, but we are a church. The church is, across all time, across all nations, made up of people who've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of their lives. You become a part of the church when you have accepted the Lord. You can be a part of a church, a local church, and not really be a part of the church. You may come and be a part of this. You may you may come together and, and you may have, uh, you know, like being here. Maybe you're seeking out something in your life. Maybe your life is a mess and you want to you seek God in the middle of it. That doesn't mean just because you attend here that you're part of the church. The church, the church is those people who put their faith in Jesus across all time. Now, we do want to come together, and we do want to worship together, and we like worshiping together, but people in the church um, will come together corporately in eternity and be worshiping together. We want to do that on a local level now, here and now, and being a part of a church is a good thing. I would highly encourage you to be a part of a church. If it's not Journey Church, then be a part of a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. Every church is going to be different. There is no perfect church, by the way that is out there um, because churches are made up of people and people are not perfect. People are messy. People are dysfunctional. People are sinful at times. People are broken. People are hurting. People are, are all over the spectrum. And so no church, no, no local church is going to be perfect. We can look forward to what it's going to be like in heaven because that will be perfection. But I would encourage you, if you're not a part of a local church, if Journey is not your home, find a church where you can be a part of and you can fit in and really just start to grow in that church. There was a story that I remember hearing about a little Sunday school class. The Sunday school class was talking about the purpose of church. The teacher was asking her little kids in the class, well, why, why do we go to church? And one little kid said, well, we go so that we can learn about God. And the teacher said, that is fantastic. I, that is wonderful. Good answer. Then she asked another question. She asked the church, now, when we go into the church service, why is it important that we're quiet when we go into church service? Talking to all the little kids. One brave little girl raised her hand and said, I know why we're quiet when we go into church service. It's so that we don't wake up all the sleeping people that are there. So church, sometimes times can feel like that, you know, but church, interestingly enough, is God's mechanism to reach the world. 
It's his mechanism to encourage the believers, to help the believers stay connected, and to be a force in this world for change to happen in this world. God uses the church in amazing ways. And when I say the church, it's not a church. It is the church that God is using around the globe for his purposes. Now, what we have talked about through the book of Ephesians thus far, quick recap of that, is that we have in the book of Ephesians, we saw that we have the Father. And the Father, what happened with the Father is that before creation happened, before the world was created by God, he had a plan in mind. He knew what was going to happen in the world. The world was going to fall into chaos and be a mess, but he had a plan. The plan was that before the beginning of time, that he would, 4,000 years later, he would send his son, Jesus, to die on the cross. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Why did the son give his life? He gave his life in order to redeem the world. Now to redeem the world means that he wanted to save the world. He wanted to get the world out of bondage. He wanted to provide a saving mechanism. If you have not trusted in Jesus as savior, the consequence for not trusting in him is eternal hell. And that is a scary proposition. Go back and listen to what I did about heaven and hell if you want to know more about that. But we have to take Jesus. We have to trust him. That's where it comes down to our decision. So now we have uh, you and we have me. We have to receive Jesus. We have to put our faith in him, trust in him. When you make the decision to trust in Jesus, you are then given the Holy Spirit. You are done what was, what was called being sealed with the Spirit. You have been given an inheritance. He's your down payment. The down payment will be with you until you die and go to heaven and are with the Father. So you have the Holy Spirit with you. Now, this whole time frame where we are from the time we accept Jesus all the way until we go to heaven, this is where we become part of the church. The church, again, is not a local body of believers, though, it, though we do have churches. This is the part of the church as a whole. So today, what I want to talk to you about is three things. I want to talk to you about admission into the church, the gifts to the church, and the head of the church. So we're going to start with the admission into the church, and what does all of this mean? Well, to do this, let's turn to... Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 15 through 23. And I'm going to start with just the first verse about understanding the admission into the church. How can I become a member or part of Jesus' church? Not a local body of believers, but how can I be a part of the, the capital T, the church? How can I be a part of that? Well, here's what Paul says. Verse 15 he says this, therefore, because I just told you, the father had a plan, the son had a plan, you receive the son, the spirit feel, fills you, you're given an inheritance, therefore, ever since I heard of your trust in the Lord Jesus, the Lord Yeshua, and of your love for all of the Kedoshim. Now remember the word Kedoshim is the word simply that means saints. I heard of your love for people the saints, and I heard that you put your trust in the Lord Jesus. 
how do you get to become a part of the church? How do I get admission into God's church? Well, it's very, very simple. You do what he says. You trust in the Lord Jesus. That's how you become part of the church. You don't have to jump through rituals. You don't have to get baptized in a certain church. You don't have to, um, you don't have to get married in a certain church. Go to confession in a church. None of those things are biblical in any way. Here's what's biblical. You trust in Jesus. If you trust in Jesus, you become a part of the church. Now, I like what Paul says here. He says, ever since I heard of your trust in the Lord Jesus. Paul's saying this, I heard about you, and I know from what I heard that you trust in Jesus. Now, what do people hear about you? If I went around and took a poll of people that knew you, and I said, tell me about them, what would I hear back? You ever asked yourself that question? What would people say about me? If they knew me and the pastor of a church came to them and said, tell me about them, what would they say about you? I hope that they would say about you, they, man, they're so awesome. I can just tell that they love the Lord because of the way they act, the way that they talk, the decisions that they make, the encouragers that they are. They're, they operate with honesty and integrity. They, I, I've heard, I can just tell they are followers of Jesus. I hope that that's what I hear about you. Now, I do hear that from time to time. In fact, I do, you know, I, I do have ways of hearing about some of you, just so you know. You, you know, nothing that you do is always in secret. So I hear, and I get stories back, and the, uh, they're so encouraging, because I hear wonderful things that this person, man, they are just so awesome. And I could just tell because of the way that your actions and attitudes and heart is that, man, that's Jesus shining through in their lives. Now, contrast that with other stories that I've heard about other people. They've not always been so flattering. I've heard stories like this. A person went into a place of business. The person that went into the place of business goes to church here. And in that place of business, they were a jerk to the person that they were dealing with. They were rude and crude and anything but a good representative of not only Jesus, but also his church and even Journey Church. And I've heard stories back from them, back from the people that own the business saying, you know, if that person goes to your church, then I don't ever want to go there because they're a bad representative. What do people hear about you? I love what Paul says. I heard about you guys. I heard that even in the midst of hard times and suffering and pain, that they're, you, you guys are faithful and you trust Jesus and you put your trust in him because you put your trust in him. You're a part of the kingdom of God. But not only have I heard that you've trusted, you also love your fellow believers. Do you love the fellow believers? Who, who, are, who are the fellow believers? Just people from Journey Church? No. Fellow believers actually in other churches. Can you say, you know what? I honestly love the people who are believers even though they go to a different church. We are called to be good representatives of Jesus, to put our trust in him, and then love the saints who we are going to be spending eternity with. The admission into the church 
is all dependent upon if you've trusted in Jesus or not. In Matthew 7, 21, Jesus shares a scary thought. He says this, you know what? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody, but wait a second. I thought all I had to do was just, you know, say, Lord, help me. Lord, Lord, I'm calling on you. Jesus says, no, not everyone who says that will enter the kingdom. Only those who do the will of my father in heaven. Okay. Well, what is the will of your father in heaven? John 640 says what the will is. This is the will of my father. Here's what my will is. Everyone who sees the son and trusts in him will have eternal life. And I will raise him up on that last day. See, it's, it's more than talking the talk. It is walking the walk. I trust you, Jesus, and I'm willing to put it into action in my life. I'm willing to trust you, Jesus, with my marriage, my finances, my career, my parenting. I'm willing to trust you in all aspects of my life. I will put my faith in you, and I will live it out, and I will walk the walk and not just talk the talk. There are too many Christians or supposed Christians who merely talk the talk. They don't walk the walk. Do you understand the difference? So, do you trust him? Have you put your faith in him? Romans 10, 9, Jesus, or Paul makes it very clear about Jesus. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus, Yeshua is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So how do I get into the church? What is the magic ritual? What is the secret handshake for getting in the church? Well, here's what it is. Have you put your trust in him? Have you believed in him? Are you walking with him? And if you are, you're a part of the church. And that's good news, and it's worth rejoicing over. Okay, secondly then, what are the gifts that are given to the church? So Paul says, I heard of the trust you have in Jesus, and you love the saints. You love your brothers and sisters. You're not bitter at them. You don't hold grudges at them. You're not unforgiving toward them. I don't know if any of that is striking home, but that's what he says. Okay, well, when I have become part of the church, now I'm given gifts in order to live out life. Did you know that God will give you the gifts, not the world, he gives them to the believers. The gifts given to his church for the purpose of living out life. So let's read what he says. He goes on to say this, I never stop giving thanks for you. I, I am so grateful for you. And I just always go to God and I pray and I just thank him for you. I never stop giving thanks for you as I mention you in my prayers. Do you know that we pray for you? We pray as an elder team, as a staff, as leadership. We pray for you and we give thanks to God for what he is doing in your life and through your life. That the God of our Lord Yeshua, Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, our glorious father, I want him to give you gifts, but, but I'm not looking for him to give you like, just bless them financially, give them all kinds of stuff. What I'm looking for, Paul says, is I want spiritual blessings in your life. I want spiritual gifts in your life. I pray that he would give you spiritual wisdom. 
What is wisdom? Wisdom is an incredible thing. Wisdom is the, the ability to see through a particular situation. Wisdom is the ability to make the right decisions. The ability to have not only the knowledge, but the ability to make the right decision with the knowledge that I have. Wisdom is a God-given thing. Wisdom comes first from above. It is not earthly. It has not come from the world. Wisdom is given by God. Now, if you're a parent, God has given you wisdom incredible ways. God has given you the ability to see through circumstances that you should have had no other reason for knowing. For example, in parenting my children, there have been moments of time that they have not been sometimes the easiest to deal with. You, you know what I'm comparing? Can you give me an amen on that if you're a parent? You know, they're not easy to deal with, are they? And some of you have like little toddlers and you think, oh, the toddlers are, you know, they're hard. The toddlers are so hard. They're drained. Trust me. Toddlers are nothing compared to teenagers, right? Just you wait until they grow up and they start having an attitude and they give you that attitude. But there have been times in my life that my kids were not behaving the best or doing the exact things. And I, I don't say that because I'm trying to put my kids down. I'm just saying it because... Uh, um, you know what it's like. You've been there. You understand that. There are times that God will tell on my kids. You understand that? He will tell on my kids and I will have some sense of discernment or wisdom in a situation that I shouldn't know this. I shouldn't know what's going on, but I do because God gives wisdom and insight you know what else God does that's incredibly wise? There have been times that I have been frustrated. My wife's not in here right now, but I'm going to say this. There have been times that I have been frustrated with my wife, and God has given me the supernatural wisdom of keeping my mouth shut. That's what he has done. Amen to that, right? That is wisdom that comes from above. God gives you wisdom, the ability to know and to have his heart and his mind over a situation. But not only that, he gives you revelation. The revelation in knowing him. What does that mean, revelation in knowing him? Well, it's insight to know him in a deeper way that you've never known him before. I know people who are new to the Bible and they start reading the Bible and think, oh, this doesn't make any sense. I don't understand what is being talked about. And I say, just you pray that the Lord gives you revelation. And what is revelation? It's the ability to understand and comprehend and know insights that you didn't have before. Many of you have had this experience where you've been reading the word of God and you've read it this same passage many times and you've not paid any attention to it but for some reason this particular time when you read it it's like God just turns the light bulb on and it's a revelation moment and he just opens up the windows for you it's like pulling the shades back and you see it clear and that's the revelation God gives in knowing him that's another gift he gives to the church another gift he gives is he says I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened he gives you enlightenment. What does it mean to be enlightened? It means he wakes you up. Best example of this is in scripture. It's the prodigal son. 
You've heard me talk about this before, but the prodigal son was very self-centered, didn't really, if you put it in Christian terms, would not have had a relationship with God, very narcissistic, came to his father, said, I want my inheritance now. It's my money. I want it now. And he said, fine, here it is. And the son took the money that was coming to him later when his father died and left. And it says he went on a journey. In that journey, he went. And the language of the text indicates that he went it and he just partied. I mean, he was just, he was the life of the party. He was buying shots for everybody. He was, he was uh, hanging out with the wrong people. Drugs were probably a big part of that. It was just a party life for him. And then something happened. Maybe the economy crashed. He ran out of money. His friends left. Maybe he got arrested. Who knows? He hit rock bottom. Ran out of money, nothing left, hit rock bottom, realized how miserable his life was, all of the decisions he was making, how awful these things were. Took the only job he could find, which was feeding pigs, which was for a Jew, just taboo. I mean, this is something that you don't do. Only job he could find, just longing to have enough food just to fill his own stomach. And it says in that scripture, when he came to his senses, he realized that he could go back to his father. When you come to your senses is when you woke up. God will wake you up and he'll do whatever it takes to wake you up. It may be, it may be you're drinking and God is going to wake you up. It may be the death of somebody that God uses to wake you up. It may be a crisis you go through, and it wakes you up. It may be a relationship you have, and he wakes you up. God gives you enlightening to wake you up because he cares about you, and he wants to move you out of that decision-making process that you're in. Not only does he enlighten you, he does this so that you will have, look at this word, that you will have hope. You will understand the hope of his calling. Hope is what is necessary. I had um, the privilege of going over and just spending time with somebody that many of you know, Randy Shear, um, and and the Shear family before Randy had passed away just this past week. And very sad, she had been dealing with cancer for nine years. Um, wonderful woman of God, loved the Lord, and uh, just had a beautiful marriage. And it was, it was heartbreaking to go, go through that with them, to see her in that state. It was a privilege just to be able to baptize and to anoint her with oil, to pray for their family. And uh, I just, I counted it as one of the highlights of my ministry of just being able to be present in their lives and be a part of that. And I was talking to her husband and we were walking around outside, um, you know, letting her rest after that, after we prayed for her and all of that, and just talking to her husband and how painful that is for him. He's watching his wife die, his life partner. They've been married for years and years, and she's dying in front of his eyes. You know, nine years of cancer, been battling through this, and how painful and heart-wrenching that was. And then we talked, though... That it's different, however, for somebody who loves the Lord, who trusts the Lord, who has hope in the Lord. It's a different thing. It's not like the world. It's not grieving as the world grieves. It's grieving in a different manner. Paul writes, we don't grieve like the world grieves. Why do I say that? It's because in the midst of all of that, he still had hope. 
And the hope was this. When, when she dies, it's not goodbye. It's I will see you later. And that is the hope. Hope gets you out of bed. Hope keeps you going. Hope keeps encouraging you even when you feel so depressed and so discouraged. Hope is the necessary ingredient that God gives his church so they can keep hanging on to him even when the church undergoes suffering and persecution. And then he says, I've also given the church the inheritance. You have something you can look forward to, an inheritance you can look forward to. And finally, he gives us his exceedingly great power. And who's it given to? Look, it says, to those who keep trusting in him. Did you know when you keep trusting in him, you have the power of God in your life? I love the power part of this because power is what we need to live life and to function through life. And I've shared this analogy so many times, and I'm sure you're sick of hearing it, but such a good word picture in my own life is that picture yourself like a, like a cordless drill. And the cordless drill is used for the purpose of building something. And that cordless drill can be used. It's used for whatever purposes it's designed for. But after a day of using that cordless drill, the drill runs out of power. It's not the drill itself. It's the battery that runs out of power at the end of the day. So what do you do with that drill that has a cordless battery that has now run out of power? Do you just throw it away, chuck it in the dumpster? I'm going to go buy a new drill tomorrow? No, you plug the battery in to a battery charger because it needs to be recharged so that it's got the power to function the next day. You're a battery, and you have to be recharged by God every day in order to live out and do what God has called you to do. You need the power of God to raise your kids because they are wearing. You have to have the power of God to be married because your spouse can be wearing. Not mine, yours can be wearing, okay? Make sure Jennifer's not in here. Okay, mine too. Mine can be wearing. She's not in here. She says the same thing about me, just so you know. You need God's power to go to work tomorrow. You need God's power to deal with that coworker. You got, need God's power to deal with the customers. You got God's power to go shop for Christmas. You need that. And so God's power is given to the church. So we've been given gifts, wisdom, revelation, enlightenment, hope, inheritance, and power. And it's all given to those who keep trusting in him. Finally, who's the head of the church? You know, I find it funny sometimes when people will come to me who maybe have never been a part of Journey Church, and they'll come up to me and they'll say, well, we've, I've heard such great things about your church, and I would love to come to your church. And I think often, you're approaching me like I'm a small business owner or something, that this is my small business, or like I'm a CEO of some kind. This is not my church. This is our church. The church has a head. I am not the head of the church. Now, of this church, God has put me as an under-shepherd of the great shepherd. But he, Jesus, is the head of the church. 
He is the head of the church. Now, we're talking about a church. God puts a pastor in position for a time to be a head of a church, but the church Jesus is the head of. So let's keep going with what Paul said. He just said this, that this great power is for you if you keep trusting in him. In keeping with the working of his mighty strength. He then goes on to say this. This power is the exact same power in you that he used when he raised Jesus from the dead. The same power at work in your life is resurrection power. If God can resurrect from the dead, what can he do in your life? There is no challenge that you can face that he is not bigger still and greater power to be able to face that. Resurrection power, the same power is in you that God used to bring Messiah from the dead. Not only did he bring him from the dead, he raised him up and seated him at the right hand in heaven. So where is Jesus today? He is at the right hand of the Father in heaven. That's where he is. The same power in you is the same power that he used to raise him and to ascend him into heaven, to the heavenly throne. Jesus is far above. So let's look at what it says about Jesus. He, Jesus, far above any ruler, any authority, any power, any leader, and every name that is named. Jesus is above everything. So I know for some of you in politics that certain politicians have been elevated to a God level, but they're not. Jesus is above everything. There is no other one. There is no other name given. There is no other ruler, no other authority that has the power that Jesus has. He is above it all. He is King of Kings. He is Lord of Lords. He is the Almighty God. Not only in the present age, meaning where we are today, but also in the age to come, into the future. He will always have that position. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is ever-present. This is who Jesus is. God placed all things under the Messiah's feet. And appointed him as head over all things for his community, which is the word for church, which is his body, the fullness of all who fills all in all. So what does all of this mean? Well, let me illustrate it in this manner for you. That in the very beginning, God, who was created or who is the creator, he created all things. As he created all things... Part of that creation is you and me. God in the very beginning created everything. As the creator of all things, so the Father, Son, and Spirit, as the creator of all things, God has three exclusive rights. God has the power to control, so that's one exclusive right that he has. He has the power to control. He has the right to judge and set the standards for all of his creation, and he is the one that deserves all praise. This is who God is. Jesus, 
in everything that Paul just laid out, laid out this, that Jesus is the one in control because he created everything. He is the one who's able to judge and set the standards for humanity. And he is the one that deserves all of humanity's praise. Part of the creation process was that you and I, see my artistic skills, that's you and I, we were part of his creation. Adam and Eve in the garden recognized that God, you're in control, you have the right to judge, and you deserve all praise of humanity. When sin entered into the world and mankind fell away from God, people started to do what was rightfully God's. And people took upon themselves everything that was exclusive to God. So in other words, instead of saying, God, you're in control, people said, I want to be in control. And I'm going to be in control, and I'll just control everything. And I'll control everybody, and I'll control everything around me. And people want to be in control. Part of the problem that we have in society is control problems. Do you have a control issue? Do you want to be in control at all times in all things? Another thing that we took from God is we said, you know what? I don't like you being the judge. I want to be the judge. I want to set the standards of what is right and wrong. And so, God, I don't like the standards that you have set. I will tell you, God, how they should be. And so we try to set the standards, not only for our society, but even for each other. You ever put expectations upon your spouse, upon your kids, upon your, your friends? Put expectations that are ungodly and you get mad at them if they don't meet your expectations, which are, by the way, not godly expectations. They're yours. And it's because we want to be in control and we want to judge. And then humanity wants praise. I want to be praised. I need to have a million followers on TikTok. I need my video to get 100,000 views. I need you to notice me. I need you to applaud me. I need you to pay attention to me. I need to be the center of everything. Do you know that that's really why society is such a mess? Because we have sinned, fallen away from God, and taken upon ourselves everything that is rightfully God's. When you come to God in trust and in faith, and you say, I want to be a part of his church, the church, and you're accepted in by God to the church, one of the things that we naturally then do is we start to put our our selves underneath God. And we say, you know what, God, I will do this instead of me being the one in control, instead of me being the one who has all the power, I will instead recognize in my life, you're the controller, you're the judge, and I want to praise you. You know, We've had this discussion so many times about worship uh, here at the church. People have all kinds of opinions about worship. I know you do. You have an opinion of what you like and what you don't like. Do you know what that's about? It's about you. See, worship is not about you. I don't care what songs you sing or how it is being sung. It's not about you. It's about worshiping God. You may have preferences, but I don't really, we don't care at times what your preferences are because it's about worshiping God. God, you're in control. God, you're the judge. 
And God, you are the one that deserves all of my praise. And whether I'm singing a hymn or a contemporary song, I'm going to praise you. And that's what all of this is about. He says, I have given gifts to the church, but Jesus is the head of the church. And Jesus is far above every name. He is above any ruler, any authority, any power, any leader, every name that is named. He is head over all. Everything is underneath his feet. So how do we respond? God, I surrender to you. I surrender all that I am and all that I have to you. Help me, Lord, to say it's no longer about my preferences. It's about worshiping you. It's not about me being in control. It's you being in control. I need to stop trying to control everything about my life. I'm going to stop trying to control all of my family members and friends. It's about you. You're in control. God, you're the judge. It's not me. It's not my standards. It's your standards. It's your way. God, you are the one that deserves the praise. How do we wrap this up here today? Well, I want to encourage you to do it this way. As we stand to pray and stand to close that today your prayer becomes this. God, I surrender all to you because you are the name above all names. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. I will put my trust in you. And as I put my trust in you, I trust that you will provide what I need to live out life. But Lord, help me to never forget that your name stands above all. Thank you, God, that you've brought us into the church. I want more and more people to become part of the church, not a church, not journey church, the church, because that's ultimately what will matter. Would you stand? And we're going to close. And I want to read this again. I just want to encourage you to bow your hearts and your minds and your heads. And I want you just to hear the words again that Paul writes about Jesus. Here's what he says. The same power that God exercised in Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heaven. That's your power. Jesus is far above any ruler, authority, power, leader, and every name that is named. Not only now, but also in all eternity. God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him as head over all things for his community. Would you pray with me? Father, we surrender to you. We come before you in submission. You are the God who is the all-knowing creator. You are the one who is the ruler, the authority, the power, and the leader. Your name is above every other name. And Lord, help us to diminish and you to increase. Help us to get ourselves out of the way. Lord, for those in this room that have a control issue and they just want to be in control of everything, I pray that now would be the moment that they would surrender ultimate control to you. Saying, Jesus, I can't be in control anymore. I can't run it. I, I don't have the power to do that. Lord, you be in control of my life, of my finances, of my marriage, of my problems. Lord, you be in control. For those who have a hard time giving up the standards, giving up the uh, wanting to be the judge in society, Lord, help them to say, God, you are the judge. It's not about what I want. It's what you want. 
Lord, for those who are unhealthily seeking the praise and the adoration of others, that they would say, Lord, it's not about me. It's all about you. And I want to worship you with all of my heart. Father, I pray that everyone standing here today and everyone who's watching would without a doubt know that they have put their trust in you, that they would know that they are saved and they are part of your church. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys, and thanks for listening to this message.